Hey guys, this is my so-called true crime podcast and I'm Brandy. This is my podcast that I've created to tell you guys about all the cases that I find. For those of you who are new, welcome and thank you for joining me. To all y'all who tune in every week, welcome back and thank you so much for your continued support. So, this month has been pretty fun for me. Uh, writing about women, searching cases that involved women has been quite challenging. I mean, sure, I could cover the typical cases we all see everywhere. Women who are killers or women who are killed. So let's recap. So this month, I found out that there was a mental condition that women experience that could lead to her murdering her, her baby. Uh, now, that I know this, I kind of have a different outlook on women who kill their children. I mean, don't get me wrong. It will never excuse what those women did. But maybe there was something going on that we just didn't understand at the time. And then I talked about women who fought back their attackers and survived. And boy, was that it. A roller coaster of an episode. It definitely didn't end up the way I intended. I wanted to celebrate the way these ladies fought back and survived, but really I ended up discovering an ugly truth that I really wasn't ready for. And let's not forget Eunice Carter, the badass woman who was instrumental in taking down Charles Lucky Luciano. She saw what no one else could, that the mob had taken over the brothels. And she built her case by doing something so simple, yet unheard of. She treated the working girls as humans. Now tonight, I'm inspired by countless memes. I want to finish this month off by trying to help men understand us women. Understand why we love true crime so much. Also, I've been recording my podcast through Soundtrap. I love it. it. It's really easy. Um, but last episode, I had every intention of recording it through Anchor, just, you know, to try it out. And unfortunately, I am a creature of habit, and I just ended up recording it through Soundtrap. So tonight, I will re be recording my episode completely through Anchor. Um, so if you guys could just tell me what you think of it, uh, tell me which method do you guys think sounds better, that would help me out so much. And at the end of the day, I am making these episodes for me, but with you guys in mind, and I genuinely would like to hear what you guys think.
Well, never mind. So, um, as I started to record this episode, I actually got a message from Anchor saying that within the browser, they are able to record up to 30 minutes. Um, And while I'm fairly certain that this episode is going to be longer than 30 minutes, I don't feel that it's going to be long enough to be a two-parter. So I'm just going to continue with what I've been doing. Um, kind of bummed. I wanted to try out Anchor. Maybe I'll try it out on a, you know, like a bonus or a shorter thing. I don't know. So anyway, on with the show. So when I started researching this episode, I wanted to focus on women and why we love true crime. However, like most of my episodes this month, I my intentions kind of changed halfway through researching. I decided that while I'm very much interested in why women are so interested in true crime, I. I decided I wanted to explore the complete history of true crime as a whole as well. Um, Surprisingly, um, recently, when somebody who knew what they were actually talking about took the time and the trouble to correct it, the Wikipedia entry for true crime claimed that the genre originated in 1966 with the publication of Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. Uh, This is a very common misconception, but this date is nearly 400 years off. In fact, between 1550 and 1700, British authors and printers produced an unprecedented number of publications that reported on capital crimes. As literacy rates expanded and new print technologies emerged, pamphlets began to circulate among the newly literate consumers. Hundreds of unbound books of roughly 6 to 24 pages, usually detailing horrific murders, circulated during this area during this era, excuse me. But that wasn't all. Uh, When a particularly ghastly killing occurred, it was promptly printed in in dog roll, which is poetry that is irregular in rhythm and rhyme, Um, often written for burlesque or comic effect. It would be printed on a large sheet of paper known as broadside and then peddled to the hard-working masses eager to brighten their days with a dose of sadism. The type of crimes depicted in these publications might sound familiar to the true crime enthusiasts. Domestic abuse, sex-related murders, women's criminals activities, bloody assaults, and as an added bonus, these publications contained illustrations of the more unsavory acts as such as dismemberment, torture, and of course, witchcraft. These publications were not printed for the masses, at least not in the contemporary sense. Despite rising literacy rates, the lower classes still lacked the means to purchase such materials and the ability and time to read them. These crime pamphlets were not uniform. The tone of the narratives could range from sensationalist to didactic, often within a single pamphlet. 
and some served as state propaganda. Others were moralizing tales, portraying the criminal as a deviant who ultimately faced justice. As sensationalist as the as sensationalist as the pamphlets were, they were also highlighted. As sensationalist as these pamphlets were, they also highlighted the struggles of the poor and the marginalized. Wiltenberg points to these ballads as evidence that consumers were more interested in the criminal than the victim. Like the biographical pamphlet, these ballads marked a long-term shift of sensationalist interest to the individual psyche and emotional life of malefactors. In other words, these texts represent early attempts to root out social and psychological causes of crime. Everybody loves a good adrenaline rush. Crime shows let us get, have a hearty adrenaline rush in the comfort of our own home. We seek it out on a daily basis, playing sports, climbing mountains, seeking out a good crime thriller. True crime gives us all of a, quote, good stress, known as eustress. The effects of an adrenaline rush push, a, push us into a state of biological overdrive, which can feel exciting in small doses. Listening to serial killer podcasts or watching agents chase down a wanted criminal in a television series causes us to feel as though we were part of the process. An accompanying adrenaline rush makes us enjoy the nerve-wracking experience while knowing that we're still safe from harm. Uh, our imaginations are, our minds and our imaginations are engaged. Watching true crime shows is like working a puzzle that also gives you a rush of excitement every time you put the last piece in. They are usually presented in a play-by-play -play mystery format, where the viewer is solving the crime or the case alongside the detective. These shows and podcasts stimulate us intellectually, and they leave us with a sense of satisfaction afterward almost as if we played a role in solving the crime. Crime shows also engage our adult imagination in a childlike fantasy of good versus evil. They follow a plot where evil plagues a community, but the good wins in the end. And no matter our age, our minds enjoy the unpredictable predictability of these stories. And simply put, we're just wired to enjoy true crime. I mean, evolution has sharpened the human survival instincts to the point where it feels natural and enjoyable to survive. The true crime genre engages this primal element within us. Crime-based entertainment is made to activate our survival instincts in the same way that a, a game of hide and seek might activate them in, in, in children. As a result, we enjoy our close calls with danger as we experience the stories unfolding before us. Matthias Klassen, a researcher who focuses on paradoxical fascination with horror, points to the game Hide and Seek as an example of this in our childhood, right? And this is a simulation of predator-prey interaction, as he calls it. It's one of the many ways that we enjoy the thrills of surviving danger that we know is not a real threat. 
We are also fascinated by our own dark side, right? We are appalled by the thought of committing the terrible acts of murderers, rapists, and criminals are known for. To imagine carrying out such acts ourselves is nearly impossible. Yet, why do we find it so intriguing? The generalization of human nature connects us all. And perhaps this is what we find so fascinated about these aberrant members of society. Another human, the very same as you and me, committed horrific crimes. And the fact that all humans are hypothetically capable of this is astonishing. I mean, watching these shows is a lot like interacting with our intrusive thoughts. Not to say that most people have these thoughts with any intentions of acting upon them. But it is fascinating to engage with our deviant cap capacities by watching what we humans are capable of when morals are out of the picture. We are enraptured by our own human nature. Watching crime shows captivates our curiosity that stems from the intrusive thoughts we are so often we so often ignore and, to borrow Freud's outdated terminology, gratifies our deviant, attention-starved its. Our morals tell us that these thoughts are taboo, which makes them all the more exciting to engage with. Taboos were another thing that Freud examined, but Philip Tetlock has studied taboos in a more modern light. Tetlock examined that he termed the taboo trade-off. Humans are fascinated with the taboo, but ethics and morals keep us from allowing our minds to entertain these taboo thoughts too seriously. In crime shows, however, we watch someone else act upon their taboo thoughts, indulging in what most of us dare not let our minds wander to. Viewers, in turn, find ourselves fascinated with our own capacity to possess these taboo sides. Horrified yet intrigued with what we were capable of, Simply put, we love to safely observe our own dark capabilities without any physical or moral consequences. Today I want to tell you about Iphoria. It's a funky little company that specializes in creative and unique sunglasses. They have styles to fit all your moods, but that's not all. They have so many bags and other accessories that show off your creative funky styles. I purchased a travel bag with my last order and I loved it. It's the perfect size for me and it doesn't take up a lot of space but holds everything that I need when I'm on the go. And right now, for a limited time, when you use my coupon code, CRIMEPOD80, you get 80% off your next order. So go check it out. That's iphoria.net. But don't forget to use my coupon code, CRIMEPOD80. Don't worry, I will also leave the links in the show notes for you so you don't forget to use the coupon code. So let's take a moment to hear from my sponsor. This week, I'm so happy to tell you guys about Coco and Eden. 
handcrafted jewelry that makes you look good and feel good as a woman. And as a woman who isn't the typical girly girl, who doesn't really get into jewelry, I have to say I love Coco in Eden. The, this jewelry is simple and classy and it makes me feel every bit as beautiful as the jewelry. Plus, something that is very important to me, this is a company that is 100% carbon neutral. They've partnered with companies like Greenfeet and Carbon Footprint Limited, and they invested in renewable power projects to help provide sustainable energy to the impoverished and the heavily polluted areas. All of their jewelry is hypoallergenic and is made to last forever because 18 karat gold does not oxidize or discolor. So I can wear it every day and anywhere without worry and taking care of the jewelry is so easy. It requires very little upkeep. This jewelry is also super affordable and with my code CRIMEPOD20, you can get an extra 20% off any order. So what are you waiting for? I left the links in the show notes, so go check it out. Now, most people will say the same thing. They grew up watching Unsolved Mysteries, America's Most Wanted, the now canceled cops. My story is no different. I remember watching America's Most Wanted with my mother late at night, at least late to a kid, right? And the thing, and then being so disturbed by the woods outside, imagining that maybe one of those wanted individuals had made their way to my tiny unknown town to do what? I don't know, that was never my concern. Just their possible presence was enough to give me the EBGVs. However, week after week, I continued to watch these shows with my mom. It was our thing. As what often happens, I got older, got my own friends, got my own life, and gradually, I forgot about our weekly tradition. And for a long time, I didn't think about anything related to true crime at all. I mean, every so often I would catch an episode of Dateline. Um, it wasn't until I found myself at my first duty station did my interest become a full-blown obsession. This was when I discovered true crime podcasts. Now, I no longer had to rely on watching TV to get my true crime fix. I could now spend every waking moment listening to case after case of morbid and gory shit. And really, I just couldn't get enough. I have subscribed to over 40 podcast channels and I have binged every one of them. I have my preferences, of course. Um, there are some podcasts that I, I, just, I just don't enjoy. It wasn't until recently that I started asking myself, why? Why do I have this fascination for something so dark, so morbid? Is there something wrong with me? Of course, I know that my fascination is completely normal. In fact, at the very least, I finally found a common ground with all other women so let's be friends. In all seriousness though, why are we all so obsessed with true crime? Well, I hope to answer that tonight. I mean, obviously the appeal of true crime stories are not just limited to women. 
So it's worth asking why people are drawn to tales of real-life horrors and all. Some are drawn to true crime because they have an interest in the criminal justice system, or they have a desire for justice. Um, True crime also provides an adrenaline rush, not unlike what we felt while listening to ghost stories when we were young or watching horror films. True crime offers us a distraction and thrills and... And according to clinical psychologist Krista Jordan, the primary thing that any organism is trying to do is not die. Humans are the only species that know you can't do that. So that creates this massive amount of anxiety that we have to to manage. So true crime allows us to feel like we've survived our greatest fear and final inevitable end. And maybe on some level, it's like we found a loophole. Like, maybe we really can cheat death. Now, one particular study conducted by Amanda Vickery, a crime psychology expert, associate psychology professor at Illinois Wesleyan University, and self-confessed true crime addict herself, Um, She showed that the number of women interested in true crime genre increased by 16% in 2019. Another survey held by ABC revealed that the surge in popularity that true crime podcasts were experiencing was due to a growing appetite among women, too. And true crime stories whether in the form of books, podcasts, movies, or shows, shines a light on the thought processes of criminals. Even though us women fear becoming victims, we're fascinated in this genre because it helps us understand how the crime is perpetrated, what triggered the attacker, how did the victim fall into the trap, what techniques did the victim use to escape, Vickery suggests that while consuming this content, we subconsciously absorb this information to cope with the horrific situation, or we learn to, we learn tricks to recognize the telltale signs that lead to violence. But on the other hand, a Mumbai-based psychotherapist and counselor, Rhea Gandhi, offers a different take. She says, that women are the victims or survivors of crime rather than perpetrators. Perhaps we are drawn to this genre in search of a sense of justice. As women living in a deeply patriarchal society, feeling unsafe and frightened is almost a constant state of mind. And perhaps our deep desire to feel safe and protected by legal systems is sublimated when we watch stories where justice prevails. The sense of justice we feel at the end of a true crime film or series reflects our desire to be a part of social and legal systems that work tirelessly towards women's safety and protection. Many women claim that consuming true crime contents leads to a conscious change in behavior to ensure safety. They're double-checking door locks, um, safety in numbers while out on the town, uh, now carrying mace and pepper pepper spray is more common than ever before. 
women are enacting tips and tricks that they observe during shows, not even realizing that it's our very need to protect ourselves that draw us to the true crime shows. In studying the reaction of men and women towards a true crime podcast, both sexes reacted with fear at certain points. Uh, female listeners, however, showed higher level of anxiety, um, but their will to continue with the content was quite strong. I mean, there's this innate need to know what happens next, and subconsciously, we're always reading between the lines. So it overpowers the discomfort and the negative feelings of watching or or listening to distressing content, meaning... Uh, us women, we're willing to go through discomfort, fear, and sleepless night to get our crew triumph fix. Another popular and commonly accepted explanation for why women love true crime is because we often see ourselves quite literally in true crime stories. Men are statistically more likely to commit violent crimes or be murdered. More violent crimes are committed against women than men overall, according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. And in addition, and in addition to that, women accounted for roughly 70% of serial killers' victims between 1985 and 2010, and many of the crimes had so sexual motives. So because of this, the majority of true crime stories detail crimes against women. Also, women are generally more fearful of violent crimes than men. And from a young age, we're taught, one, not to walk alone at night, not to trust strangers on the street. So out of necessity, we have reasons to stay on the alert and pay attention to stories about sociopath, sociopathic criminals who hunt after dark. Behavioral Sciences at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai says that learning about true crime can feel like a dress rehearsal for women who know they could easily end up in these situations themselves. Simply put, women feel a sense of secondhand relief when watching other women in dangerous situations because they're glad they're not there. Some experts argue that our interest in true crime may actually be connected to a women's generally higher level of empathy. By the time we get to adulthood, we are able to empathize to a greater degree than men. And this may lead to our fascination with true crime simply because we empathize with the victim more than the crime itself. And no one could even make the assumption that if males and one could even make the assumption that if males don't see themselves in true crime stories as clearly as women do, then they probably aren't likely to become emotionally invested in the narratives. I mean, in all actuality, though, it is easier to see yourself as the victim and create an emotional connection than, that way than picture yourself as the perpetrator. I mean, who wants to form an emotional connection to someone who just brutally murdered people? Interestingly, women make up a minority of law enforcement. 
but they make up 78% of forensic scientists in the United States. And in her book, Savage Appetites, crime author Rachel Monroe theorizes that women are often inspired to enter forensics because of a desire to address a past trauma they experienced, either on a personal or collective level. Higher levels of empathy in women can also trigger greater curiosity about the backgrounds of killers and criminals. I mean, who doesn't want to know what Ted Bundy or the Golden State Killer were thinking when they murdered dozens of people? Another possible theory. Women love true crime because it's one of the relatively few outlets that let us entertain aggressive impulses. So perhaps true crime allows us to tap vicariously into uh, suppressed channels of rage and fear. Maybe a combination of both. A lot of women also still choose or maybe are subliminally taught to comply with traditional feminine mannerisms and activities. That doesn't, however, mean that women aren't angry. Traditionally, contact sports, violent video games, and even street fights have been geared towards men. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. These activities aren't just exclusive to men, especially in the 21st century, but they still remain generally influenced by conventional gender roles. Although, on the flip side of that coin, is all this attention to true crime rotting our brains? Emma Burquist, writer and stabbing survivor, seems to think so. In a recent Gawker essay, Burquist argued that the genre makes women, women inappropriately paranoid. She even compared this to Fox News raising the blood pressure of our grandparents, keeping them in a perpetual state of fear about roving gangs of MS-13. She pointed out that, with the exception of the rise in murders since COVID, major crime has been steadily decreasing for decades. Burquist fears that true crime's entertainment value obscures the harm it can do to real people by inspiring vinter disdain for the combing of a murder victim's Instagram. She said, when fans feel deputized to solve crimes, in other words, when they become armchair detectives, the due process becomes almost a secondary concern. Um, I'll continue to use Gabby Petito as an example. The court of public opinion already started to convict her fiancé, Brian Laundrie, long before the true story could be told by anyone who knew what happened. And truthfully, I'm kind of guilty of that. I mean, I saw a couple of live uh, video streams on TikTok of the situation as it was happening, and I could see in the comment section how everybody knew exactly what had happened. Not only was Brian Laundrie convicted, but so was his family. But um, although from podcasts to documentaries to nonfiction books. It seems like the true crime genre is getting bigger and bigger these days. 
So we ask ourselves, how much is too much? It's all too easy to get lost in grisly tales that nightmares are made of, um, and a hobby born of curiosity can easily take a toll on your mental health. Psychologist Chavana Childs, PhD, she explores why people are obsessed with true crime and the psychological effects it can have. And according to The Good Doctor, watching true crime doesn't make you strange or weird. It's human nature to be inquisitive. True crime appeals to us because we get a glimpse of, we get a glimpse into the mind of a real person who committed a heinous act. Most true crime lovers are fascinated by the likes of Jack the Ripper, H.H. Holmes, Ted, and Ted Bundy out of a deep desire to better understand their unthinkable capacity for cruelty. But there's an even darker side to our obsession. The psychological effects of shows that focus on murder and rape can really take you to a bad place. They can help you become more vigilant and aware for sure, but you don't want to become overly reactive to the point where you're unwilling to leave your home. And it's not just true crime stories that can impact our psyche. I mean, fictionalized depictions of crime can be just as captivating and have similar impacts. But that doesn't mean you need to stop watching your favorite crime show or listening to podcasts such as True Crime All the Time or Crime Junkie, especially if you love them. It just means that maybe you should take inventory of yourself. Watch how they affect you. Pay special attention to your reactions. Dr. Childs runs through some of the psychological impacts that crime shows can have. And points out some signs that you may be experiencing to show that you need a break. So we'll go over this list. It's um, number one, you know, you're scared all the time. You feel fearful every, every time you go out. You, want, you feel unsafe at home. Um, just as crime content can make you feel unsafe out in the world, it can also start making you feel unsafe in your own home. You're double-checking and rechecking locks and doors. You're wary of others. Um, you doubt the humanity of the people around you. Uh, that can be a good thing, but, you know, too much of that can make you overly suspicious to the point of paranoia. <laughs> Excuse me, paranoia. You're anxious all the time. True, and true crime at this point is no longer about curiosity, and it's becoming purely fear-based. And lastly, you find yourself worrying whether the person you're chatting with in an everyday situation aren't actually as nice as they seem. If you feel as though you're constantly on the verge of impending doom, your true crime habit may have turned a corner into negative, into negativity. Other symptoms and then anxiety can develop with symptoms like rapid heartbeat, shallow, shallow breathing or hyperventilation, trouble sleeping, and overall feeling of nervousness, restlessness, or tension. So how much true crime is too much? Guys, try to pay attention to how you feel when you watch or you listen to your true crime stories. Are you excited to delve deeper? 
Or do you feel nervous, anxious, depressed, or stressed? It may not be immediately evident to you that your true crime habit is having a negative impact on you. But stopping to consider how the stories may make you feel in the moment can help you clue in to whether maybe you should walk away from them now and then. If you don't need to swear off all favorite, all of your favorite true crime or even your fictionalized crime shows. But the old adage, everything in moderation always applies. Take a break from true crime. If you're having negative reactions to the stories, it's helpful to take a step back from your habit for a moment. And even if you're not having negative reactions, you can help keep them at bay by monitoring your crime intake. I'm not saying anybody needs to quit watching true crime or even stop listening to podcasts because I've taken a break for the last couple of weeks, you know, to let my podcast channels, you know, build back up so that I have things to binge listen to. But, you know, it does feel nice to not worry about all the terrible shit in the world, you know? I'm sorry if I seem to kind of ping around a little bit on tonight's episode. It's kind of what happened during my my research. I started one place, I ended up in another place, and then I spent the last week just trying to make it into one cohesive subject for you guys. Um, I hope I did okay with that. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's gonna be it for me tonight. And we made it through another episode. Subconsciously, I knew why women love true crime. I'm a woman myself. But it wasn't until I decided to research this that I had actually seen it written in words. And I agree with these studies. In fact, for the most part, it's exactly why I love true crime. I'm always seeing myself in these women's shoes. Um, and I'm always taking uh, little tips and tricks and putting them in my tool belt of life, right? I even managed to catch a few more followers.